0: The Story of Alicia Walker and Why Female Victims End Up Incarcerated
1: battle. How did I get here? What wrong did I do? Defending myself, I guess, was the wrong thing to do. They said I should have laid down. That I should have given up and quit. Should have been a compliant little whore gave in to a trick. That I should have no right to say no. I don't deserve to choose. She's nothing, she's useless. What's she going to do? My escorts, workers, my family, you feel my pain as I do you. Listen, they have a plan. Take our way, our little security. Kill us off, decrease our numbers, divide and conquer, but they forget we are mothers, daughters, partners and friends. We have our own army. We will never end. We're survivors. When you knock us down, it makes our skin tougher, see? We are all a different breed. They fucking envy us, so they try to make us bleed. We've lost so many in this war, just to name a few, and this is just this year. Desiree Robinson, Yang Song, Alora Wells, and Alfonza Watson. So listen up. We as a community have shit to do. Stand in solidarity because this is a fight for our lives and we will not lose.
0: The poem you just heard is called Battle by Alicia Walker. Unfortunately, the original author was unable to speak herself and instead had the poem read by her friend Lydia. Alicia Walker is currently incarcerated in an Illinois state prison. Her story which will be discussed shortly, is not unique and is indicative of our justice system. (coughs) Alicia Walker is a woman of color and a sex worker. She was raised by a single mother and from a low socioeconomic status. At the time this story takes place, she was 19 years old. That's the age freshmen usually are second semester. On January 18th, 2014, Alicia Walker went to one of her clients home with a fellow sex worker. The name of this John was Alan Fillon. Alan Fillon was a 61 year old Chicago teacher who taught at an all boys Catholic school called Brother Rice High School. Fillon had already seen Walker twice before he contacted her through the site Backpage.com. He agreed to pay Walker and her companion $150 each for half an hour of sex. When Walker got there, as she would later tell the police, Philan demanded that the sex be unprotected. This was not what the women had negotiated, and they refused. Walker claimed that Philan became upset and angry and took back some of the cash. They had an altercation and he punched her in the face. Walker claimed that he became violent and he grabbed a knife. They wrestled, she grabbed the knife, stabbed him and ran. The other woman had run too at this point. Three days later, the police found Phelan dead in his home. Walker was soon arrested and charged with first degree murder. criminal aspects to this case were very interesting. Philan was intoxicated. This was proven by the toxicology report which showed his blood levels to be 0.28 when he was found and the empty Bud Light cans scattered around his house. Walker also had no violent criminal priors. When she was charged by the police, she was charged with first-degree murder. First-degree murder is defined as any intentional murder that is willful and premeditated with deliberate malice. This obviously was not the case and did not fit the case at all. Walker was held in jail for two years awaiting her trial. She was kept there without possibility of bond. Her trial lasted all of three days. During her trial, prosecutors painted Walker out to be a master manipulator. They used her profession against her and painted her out to be simply a money-hungry prostitute. They disregarded the fact that she had seen the victim twice without incident. They believed that somebody who had acted in self-defense wouldn't flee Indiana or fail to call for help, as Walker said, and they wouldn't have left him on the floor. They claimed that the tears that streaked down her cheeks the detectives told her that the victim had died was an act. Walker maintained that as she fleed, the victim was swearing at her, and she had no idea that he was on the verge of death. There was a fight, and she wanted out. Walker ended up being found guilty of second-degree murder. The judge sentenced Walker to 15 years in prison. As a judge, you're known to be impartial, and yet, during the sentencing, he told Walker that it was her broken family to blame. Her mother had her own issues. The father didn't play a role in her life. They didn't set her up for success. To the stepdaughter of philin the drunk, the aggressor, he stated that you are the person you are today because of his devotion to you. He continued to berate Walker for choosing a dangerous, unsavory lifestyle, in his words, and for expressing loyalty to her pimp, who was, also in his words, an animal who sucked money out of her while she humiliated herself by performing sexual acts with strangers. If Walker hadn't been concerned about giving money to her pimp, he claimed, villain might still be alive. The case of Alicia Walker is not unique. The rules of self-defense were not written by legislation, but by judges who are typically white and male. FBI statistics show that fewer men are charged with the first or second degree murder when killing a woman they know than vice versa. There are currently 110,000 women incarcerated in U.S. women's prisons. An estimated 40 to 80% of these women who have been convicted of murder have been found to have acted in self-defense against the people they used to abuse them. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, women who kill their partners are sentenced to an average of 16 years. In contrast, the average prison sentence for men who kill their female partners is about two to six years. If we examine the disparity between men and women who are convicted of murdering their partners, we can look to the differences between sentencing and motive. Women receive longer sentencing for killing people who used to abuse them mentally, physically, emotionally. Men receive shorter sentences and usually do not kill their partners out of self-defense, but rather due to being the abuser. FBI statistics show that in 2016, 1,800 women were killed Out of these 962, more than half were current girlfriends, wives, or ex-wives of the perpetrator. These statistics do not include ex-girlfriends, so the numbers may be even higher than the data suggests. Data shows us that female victims end up in prison, incarcerated for longer, for self-defense acts that should leave them free. So why do many victims end up in prison? We've narrowed it down to two main reasons that coincide with each other. The first is identities, and the second are implicit biases. Many of the women that come into conflict with the law are first, women, second, women of color, and third, typically from poorer socioeconomic groups. They have a limited access to justice They can't afford lawyers that would get them off with a great plea. Most of their lawyers are public attorneys who are overworked, underpaid, with no time to focus specifically on each client. That leads us into our second point, biases. There are many implicit biases in judges and prosecutors. As we look into the Walker case, we can see that with the judge and with the prosecutor. They both have negative perceptions of sex workers and don't see them as real people the judge spent a huge portion of the sentencing berating walker for her job for how she survived he didn't look at the fact that she was going back to school didn't look at the fact that she was a person but only saw her as a prostitute there is a systematic bias in judicial approaches especially to female offenders There has been a lot of research that highlights biases in the justice system. Sarah Cruzan was a 17-year-old when she was sentenced to life in prison without parole. She also had a short trial. It was two and a half days. She was convicted of killing the man who had sexually abused her and sex trafficked her for more than five years. The judge in her case did not allow the history of the two to be a valid defense for the defendant. We see this everywhere. Young female victims, often women of color, often sex workers, under the discretion of a judge, under the discretion of a prosecutor. Our system is flawed. It was written by men for men and does not help women victims at all. The system needs to change but systematic change is often difficult to accomplish. If you'd like to lessen the harsh realities of these incarcerated women, there are many things that you could do. You could write letters, write letters to governors asking for clemency for these victims, or write letters directly to the incarcerated women themselves. It makes their time less lonely, lets them know they're not forgotten and that they're still supported. You could support your local sex worker group or groups that work with incarcerated women. You can join groups such as Survived and Punished or Love and Protect. You can also donate, whether it be money to organizations that help incarcerated women or directly to incarcerated women themselves. Or you could donate things such as books or feminine products that they need. The most important thing you could do though is not forget these women, not forget the system. Educate yourself. Educate others. Make sure justice is not forgotten.